Um, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for coming to uh, today's screening of Loveless. We are very lucky to have the director, Andrzej Vagantsev. <coughs> Sorry, I just ran here. Um, and his producer with us today. Um, I think I'll start with a couple of questions of my own and then open it out to, open it out to the floor. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I want to start by asking, I mean, we've, a lot of critics speak of you as political filmmaker and see Loveless as an allegory to some degree for um, the kind of state of, of modern Russian politics. Um, I was wondering, to what extent is the story of the film to you a, a personal story about a family and to what extent is the political one? Можно было бы сказать, что фильм «Левиафан», с которым два года тому назад мы здесь были, на BFI, скорее этот фильм, конечно же, является фильмом таким политическим, в определенном смысле довольно серьезной интенцией, что ли, такой располагает. Но мне кажется, эта картина, в этой картине все-таки это частная история, история людей, история человека. Политика здесь является только как своего рода таким фоном, что ли, или грунтом для живописного полотна. One could say that my previous film, Leviathan, which was here at the BFI London Film Festival two years ago, is a much more politically charged story, whereas uh, this one, Loveless, is a more of a personal, private story with politics uh, just as a background, as a kind of a grounding uh, on which the personal story is being laid. Um, a question for you and, and maybe for Alexander as well. Um, I understand you refused government funding, uh, Russian government funding on, on this project. What was, uh, what did that decision Alexander, Well, uh, it's again the story of the Leviathan, because as you probably know, the previous film of ours has polarized the audience, Russian audience, in a way that we have never seen since the probably perestroika times. So it went to the great pains of the, you know, for the Minister of Culture, and they, um, many of the statesmen, including the minister and you know, many members of the parliament, uh, have used their opportunity to express their de deep disappointment in the fact that we first time in the, uh, I would say in the career of Andre, first time we used the part of state financing, it was approximately 20% of the budget raised, you know, provided by the state. I did it intentionally, uh, being aware of the potential challenging character of the film. And I wanted to protect it in advance. Unfortunately, I was wrong. It never helped. So this why, uh, this, that's why uh, this time we never applied for the state financing at all. And no one volunteered from their side, actually, to provide us with any. So we built up the pretty, you know, I would say, typical European co-production uh, with the Russian private investor coming to help us. Um, about at a story level with the film, I mean, what did you always have that story in mind to proceed as it did? Was it always going to be as kind of pessimistic as it as it turned out? Well, 
В самом начале первый же драфт сценария. Ну, и, и, на, на, на уровне идеи. Так. Ну да, на, на уровне идеи мы знали, чем закончится история изначально. Собственно, собственно так она и сложилась. И такое должна была быть. Тут не было никаких сомнений. Yes, we knew from the outset what kind of story it would evolve into, and there were no doubts. It was very clear for us what, uh, what kind of story we were working on. Другими словами, это решение, а не так сложилось. So in other words, it's a, it's a predetermined solution rather than it uh, just happened to be the way it did. It's a very intimate kind of story in terms of it's the focus on this one family, and yet you tell us in this very expansive epic kind of formal style from the kind of, you know, cinematography to the compositions, the framing was, do you see a kind of tension between that in, in, in making that sort of small story on such a big scale? Do you think it says something larger about it? человеческой истории, которая рассказана в фильме, и его такой величественностью, грандиозностью эпического полотна. Ну, вы знаете, я не вижу здесь никакого противоречия, просто интимная история, но затрагивающая такие глубинные пласты человеческой природы, настолько трагическая, такого мощного трагического, что ли, силы, что она, в общем, выходит за, за свои пределы и становится не просто какой-то бытовой историей, а какой-то историей высказывания уже о каком-то состоянии общества, что ли, и так далее. Но, по крайней мере, я цитирую аудиторию, зрителей, которые мне говорят об этом, чувствуя именно это. это. I do not see any contradiction here. It is indeed an intimate story, but by getting um, very deep into the profound uh, depths, so to say, of human psyche, of human relationships, of human nature, we, it, it indeed transcends the everyday story, the, trivial, the triviality of everyday story, and uh, rises up to this uh, level, to this magnitude of epic proportions, as you say. And, well, at least uh, that's how I being, that's what I'm being told by audiences, uh, by people, by viewers and who, who, who see the film. No, I wouldn't say only about the tragedy of this story, because there is a lot of optimistic power, that same power которая у нас воплощена здесь в, в образе поисковиков, людей, которые э, прообразом которых служит э, организация, которая существует уже 7 лет в России, Лиза Алерт, которая невероятно, э, невероятно результативная, э, вот, делают очень большую работу. Они абсолютно являются своего рода таким пробуждением гражданского общества. Люди сами встали э, и помогают э, пропавшим без вести. But I wouldn't want to concentrate or fully concentrate to, up to an exclusion on the tragic kind of side of the story. A very important element of the film for us is the work of this volunteer organization, which is indeed a, a, a volunteer organization in reality called Lisa Alert, which was a prototype for the volunteers in our film, and uh, they're working in uh, finding missing persons, not only children, but missing persons 
uh, throughout uh, Russia. And uh, that, uh, for us, is a very important, positive, uh, optimistic, if you want, element uh, of the real life that we brought into the story as well. And civic society. And, civic, and uh, a seed, of, so to say, of civic society. Абсолютную инертность и равнодушие к человеку, государства и его институции. Civic society, which is a reaction, a response uh, on, uh, by society towards uh, complete inertia and indifference on behalf of the state and state structures. Я коротко просто для примера скажу. В 2016 году в России было, исчезли 6150 человек, и вот именно Лиза Алерт, их усилиями, они нашли 89% этих пропавших без вести людей, 89% нашли живыми. And just want to give you some facts and figures. In 2016, 6150 people were reported missing in Russia. And through the efforts of this volunteer organization, Lisa Alert, 89% of them were found alive. I think at this point I'd like to open it up to the audience. I'm sure you have questions of your own, so uh, just raise a hand if you, if you do. Uh, yes, right in the middle there. Um, thank you very much for such a wonderful film. Uh, we see a family disintegrating, and but I think this is, to me, is a kind of on the surface. I think it's f further than that because, to me, there is a relationship. Possibly, Russian is falling apart in a sense, a society entirely, because uh, there is a kind of relationship. The last um, television conversation is happening. In Kiev, I couldn't catch it completely because I was reading the subtitle. Um, is there such an irony? Is somehow you trying to say something bigger happening in Russia? То есть можно ли говорить о том, что это как бы все, что происходит с семьей, это аллегория разваливающейся России? В конце фильма мы видим телевизионные кадры, телевизионную хронику да, этих событий в Украине. И это как бы в каком-то смысле является подтверждением того, что уже на таком, на более крупном уровне государственном страны, того, что происходит с семьей. Семья. Я, сказать, что это больше. Я бы не спешил с тем, чтобы разваливать страну, она еще жива. И повторюсь, я вижу огромную надежду именно в частной какой-то инициативе, потому что гражданское общество действительно функционирует, действует. Вот. Кроме всего прочего, еще огромное количество людей, которые не согласны с, с условиями, и с политическим климатом, и с условиями социальной какой-то неустроенности, жизни и апатии государства. Так, would... что, так что это было бы слишком, слишком, слишком поспешным выводом. I wouldn't rush to the conclusion that the country is uh, falling apart. It's still very much alive. Uh, people are living there and functioning. And um, as I said, uh, there are seeds, and we're showing those seeds of optimism of this emerging uh, civic society. So that would be a bit too premature to say that the country is falling apart. Как в, с параллелью с церковью. Церковь — это не священники, это люди, 
Также и государство. Государство это все-таки не это люди, а люди еще могут много чего сделать. Я, я почти уверен в том, что еще ничего не потеряно. Church, Russian Orthodox Church, there's a lot of criticism against it. But uh, the state is not only the state as such, it's not only the government, it's not only the state structures, it's only people. And uh, there's, uh, I have quite a bit of optimism in, um, in the people who live in the country. Смысловых, что ли, энергий, которые, в общем, совершают вот эту работу, гиперболу, что ли, создают какое-то усиление, что ли, этих состояний, вот, но не более того, это просто как фигура, фигура, фигура высказывания. But since it's a work of art, it tends to hyperbolize, to exaggerate, to emphasize the, um, the, the most important elements in this story and that it tends to show the problem in a, in a condensed, concentrated and emphasized uh, way. But uh, we should uh, be aware that uh, this is uh, a, a method, this is an artistic means, this is a trope, if you want. We have more questions from the audience. Um, Yes, up in front, yeah. Hi. Um, can you just talk about how easy or difficult it is to make a film like this in Russia? Do you have any problems with content in terms of the Russian government or anything like that? To make... How easy it is what to make? To make films. Ну, насколько легко создавать подобного рода фильмы в России? Есть ли у вас трудности с содержанием? We don't have a censorship. We, need to, we don't need to provide any ideas to, let's say, any authority to make their stamp on it. So, so far, we don't apply for the state financing. We do it on our own. That's an important element of the system. Russia is not a totalitarian. It's a authoritarian country. It's not yet, at least, the totalitarian <coughs> one. So that's why we do have a possibility to produce films on our own. And, uh, you know, this is quite a trend, I must say. This year we've got seen uh, much more independently produced movies than before. So it's developing. More questions? Yes. Um, in front and then at the back. Hi. Um, you touched on this a little bit before, but I thought it was really interesting how in the film, kind of in the last part, you start focusing more and more and more on the kind of the procedural aspects of like the basic person group and you kind of like leave the personal drama between the parents almost entirely aside which I thought was really strange can you comment on why you chose to emphasize that по ходу фильма все больше и больше внимания вы как-то уделяете вот процессу поиска да внимание концентрируется скорее на работе поисковой группы а семейные проблемы они немного отступают отступают в сторону могли бы это прокомментировать мне кажется, вся, собственно, вся глубина этого, этой катастрофы, которую мы наблюдаем в отношениях Бориса и Жени, мне кажется, всю свою полноту изложила к последнему эпизоду, эпизоду заключающему 
первую часть, главную то есть, часть фильма, то есть сцену в морге, по-моему, больше сказать об этом нечего. То есть все, между этими людьми дыра, совершенно не заполненная ничем, кроме неприязни, ненависти, отсутствия всякой эмпатии. И, и все, здесь коллапс. Поэтому здесь больше не о чем рассказывать. Вот. Так что да, с середины фильма, ровно с часа отметки в час, начинается работа поисковиков, и это главное, что нас интересует. Yes, you are right. And uh, the reason for that is that by pretty much exactly this, the middle of the film, by the end of the first hour, by the scene at the morgue, the relations between the couple, Zhenya and Boris, have completely, had completely exhausted themselves. They have had come to a point when uh, there's nothing more between these two people, nothing unites them. There's a complete lack of empathy, there's complete lack of understanding, there's complete lack of willingness to to, to, to cooperate, to, 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 to be doing anything uh, together. So therefore, the focus indeed shifts towards uh, the, the search which is being done by this volunteer organization, and uh, the couple um, are indeed left aside. Uh, we have a question in the middle. Not left. Sorry. Thank you for the film again. Uh, you mentioned about making a production wise for an independent film. Uh, what about the distribution? You mentioned you had um, already reaction from audiences, and I just wanted to uh, understand. Uh, you meant, uh, I suppose, European co production means uh, European distribution is more or less secured. Uh, what, uh, whether there has been any difference in reaction from different audiences in different countries? Uh, it's been. It's been distributed. We released the film right after the Cannes Film Festival when the film was released and successfully received by the audience and the jury got the prize of the jury there and got the first uh, place in the international grid of the critics. So uh, being confident with the film, we never knew would it get the prize or this kind of reception. We still <laughs> Just, you know, probably it was a gamble. We've got the date of release on the third day after the film festival was over. Practically, we've tried to rely on the buzz. We knew it could definitely promote the buzz in, in Russia, at least. So, and we were practically uh, right with that. It was Sony, big Sony, releasing the film. And uh, for the films of this segment, let's say independently produced drama, it went very well. It did. You know, solid two million dollars of box office in Russia, and then the first country uh, 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 that has started the release after Russia was France, because the Valbanchian Pyramid, uh, who are very, who are always involved in our movies there, they always, you know, have them in September. So in France, it was probably one of the best releases we ever had, if not the best. It played even better than in Russia and got the extraordinary reception of the audience. Although Leviathan was successfully received there, this one has played even better. It's still in the cinemas, in the, in the list of uh, the best movies of 2017 published by Telerama magazine, you know that probably. Uh, it's a number two after the French movie BPM. No, 120 BPM. So it's going to be in the cin in French cinemas in January and February as well. 
it has been released already in Belgium, Netherlands, Greece, uh, 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 where else? And everywhere much better than all our previous movies. It's uh, scheduled by, we are happy to work with Altitude guys here, and it's scheduled for February 9th here. And in the US, it's, as always, Sony Pictures Classic. It's, it's about February 16. Uh, you know, of course, this movie is a Russian entry for Academy Award. We were lucky to have the support of the filmmakers community because the Russian, Russian National Oscar Committee consists out of filmmakers. And although they have a very different political beliefs, they still appreciate the filmmaking quality, and they supported us. So that's why this, um, you know, this release of uh, Sony in the U.S. is, uh, you know, very much done, in, you know, in relation to the award season. So they have uh, to start the qualification run first uh, of December. So anyway, it's going very well. It's sold out uh, around the world. It's scheduled theatrically in all, practically all countries. Our international sale company was uh, well bunch. So we were lucky to have all these partners and this support, so I hope. But you asked about the difference. A Russian audience is very polarized always, you know, and they suspect, because major psychological problem of Russians at the moment, that they feel themselves unfairly criticized, ostracized, and even deized by the West, and Western media. So that's why the any movie which is not positively describing and depicting the life and, you know, in Russia and Russian context, is heavily, could be heavily criticized. Although it's not always the fact, uh, with us it's always the same. Because especially having the history of Leviathan, even you know, before they watched this film, his, they start, many of the journalists and you know, opinion makers started the, you know, the idea of, of criticisms called Russophobic films again. You know, Russophobic film again. It's always like that. But we do have a very strong support. So that's, that's why um, you know, uh, we're lucky to always have this, uh, the, the movies coming as, a, I would say, public events, not only as a cinematic offer for the audience to spend their you know, leisure time. I did actually once quickly ask about the Oscar submission, because I remember when Leviathan was picked as uh, Russia's entry a couple of years ago, that surprised some people because they thought um, you know, they thought the, the National Selection Committee might be against it. Were you aware this time as well? Was there any kind of opposition to it at all? Or? Of course. Yeah. Of course, we always have an opposition there. But as I mentioned, we don't have a bureaucrats in this committee. This is 30 filmmakers. Uh, you know, we have various, we've managed after, you know, one of our movies and some other movies of great filmmakers have been rejected by this committee, by the different, you know, kind of committee. We've managed to raise the big, uh, you know, discussion in media, and it has been created the new committee consisting out, not just filmmakers, but filmmakers who, whose films won the Oscar, were nominated for Academy Award, or won the major film festivals, like Cannes, Venice, Berlin, and so on. So that's why we have 30 most important directors and producers who, you know, do vote as they, you know, always prefer. So we definitely have an opposition. Most, you know, most of the conservative people who we, you know, we have a lot of them, but not 
in, in the filmmaking community. Yeah. Filmmaking community is still very liberal, if yeah. you, you know. At least it's not like 85 to 15%, like the whole population of the country being conservative. Yeah. It's much better situation, let's say, as minimum 50-50. So we've got the support of all the, you know, liberal, liberal part of this committee and some other guys who, as I mentioned already, appreciate the quality of the filmmaking. They appreciate Andre's work. As they should. Do we have more, more questions? Yes, at the back there, <coughs> over at the back. Thank you. Um, can you tell us something about the process of development of the story and the writing process? So, uh, where did you get the idea from, and uh, what was your purpose in telling the story specifically? Thank you. Мы, можно сказать так, несколько лет крутились вокруг одной и той же идеи, хотели взглянуть на то, что происходит в семье, и если если произошел какой-то вот такой, что ли, разрыв отношений и обнаружение, полное обнаружение, как бы сказать, банкротства этой семьи. То есть, другими словами, история развода. Мы даже подумывали о том, чтобы сделать ремейк фильма Бергмана «Сцены супружеской жизни», но в конце концов отказались от этой идеи, потому что никак не могли приобрести прав на реализацию ремейка. Um, for a few years, um, I've been thinking about, we've been thinking about uh, this story, about a collapse of a family, collapse of a, a family relationship in a marriage, and at some point we were even thinking of making a remake of Bergman's uh, scenes from a marriage. And um, the only reason we didn't get to do that because we couldn't quite secure the rights for for the film. I would I would use the possibility to say that it was not just a simple idea to do the remake of the amazing film, but Andre had a very specific story with the Ingmar Bergman because the great director saw the first film of Andre, The Return, and he liked it, and he actually. Uh, mentioned Andre among the major voices of cinema of future. Mm -hmm. So that's why Andre was many times invited to the Faroe Island in Sweden to spend some time in the house of Alfred Bergman and to work uh, with, you know, with his documents and uh, you know, to spend some time to write his scripts. That's actually why we thought it would be quite uh, at least logical to try to remake the story. And it took some time, we would not tell the story. I'm sorry to interrupt. И сейчас уже оглядываясь, конечно, на то, с чего мы начинали, ясное дело, что, конечно, картина Лавлес настолько далеко отстоит от первоисточника, что это совершенно автономное и самостоятельное произведение. Now, looking back at where we started, uh, we could uh, uh, surely say that uh, Lovelace, the way it turned out, is very far from the original idea that we had in mind uh, when we were just thinking about it. По-моему, это очевидно. It uh, looks very obvious. Это в 2015 году, когда появился этот замысел, собственно, пусковым механизмом был случайно прочитанная в интернете статья о Лизе Алерт. 
And the starting point for us in 2015, when we actually started working on, on the film, was an article which we almost by chance uh, came across, a newspaper article, which told us about this uh, volunteer organization, Lisa Alert, which I already mentioned. Мой друг, давний друг и соавтор, автор сценария «Не любви» Олег Негин, он натолкнулся на этот текст и совершенно поразил его история создания этой организации. Тут, наверное, будет долго говорить об этом, слишком еще и эмоционально и чувствительно будет. Вот, и опустим эту часть. И вот эти две линии сошлись в одном пространстве, вышибли, что называется, какие-то искры, и вдруг вещь встала, когда появился мальчик, исчезнувший из семьи и, и родители, которые уже, в общем, не хотят видеть друг друга, вынуждены быть вместе в поисках этого мальчика. Вот эта история таким вот образом и сложилась. Летом 15-го года. Мой друг и Олег Негин, он был один, кто article, and he was so hugely impressed by it, so we started working on it. And so the, the, these two elements, the, um, the story of a collapsing family that I had been nurturing for years, and uh, the newspaper piece about this organization, volunteer organization, they kind of uh, coalesced they, and produced that spark, which eventually um, grew up um, into, into the film. Я не знаю, можно ли тут что-то больше рассказать. Писали мы сценарий, наверное, месяца два или три. Общались с, этим, с, этой, с этой организацией волонтерской. Очень много они нас консультировали, эти ребята. Вот. И история сложилась довольно быстро. Ну, за несколько дней в буквальном смысле. А дальше уже был процесс написания и проработки диалогов и так далее. So the story came together quite quickly in a few days, but then for a few months, along with Oleg, maybe two or three months, we were developing it and writing dialogues and kind of bringing it to, into a final shape. I don't know whether there's too much more to say. Был написан очень короткий э, синопсис, страницы на две с половиной, наверное. Александру Роднянскому передали эти две страницы, три страницы текста. И уже на основании этого краткого пересказа сюжета э, продюсер запустил картину в производство. И э, художник-постановщик, оператор, э, камера, э, в смысле, э, синематографер, и, значит, и режиссер, мы уже занялись разработкой каких-то визуальных решений, рисованием эскизов, разработкой вот этих пространств, интерьеров. А Олег Негин параллельно с этим писал уже сценарий подробно, выписывая там все эти детали, диалоги и так далее. То есть мы запустились, можно сказать, на двух страницах текста. Two pages, uh, which was uh, given to Alexander, the producer of the film, and the production actually started. We were going on to look for locations. The production designer was doing sketches. Uh, the cinematographer was uh, looking again for locations and and choosing uh, various locations. Uh, and so the production had already been going on, nearly in full swing, uh, while uh, the scriptwriter Oleg Negin was uh, continuing uh, financing. The, the script itself. 
That happened not because I'm so romantic, but because we know each other very well. It's not the first movie. And we know that Andrea always has a script, which is practically, as Rina Claire said many years ago, sorry for my, you know, for remembering the banal expression, but his film is completed on the paper. He needs only to shoot it. But that means, so while they are working on the screenplay, we need to scout the locations, for locations, we need to cast the actors. We need to know everything in detail to, to, to have the movie done through the pre-production process. So the key of Andre's work is the very precise, comprehensive, and long work in pre-production. It takes a lot of time. And he's, he will tell you, if you like, Tom, a lot of details of that. But that's an important element. I think we have time for maybe one or two more questions. So uh, let's get them. Yes, in the back, in the center. Hello, thank you for the film. My question is about the aesthetics of the film. Um, as well as the shift, alongside the shift from the couple to the community organization, there's a shift from domestic space to the harsh environment, the outdoor space. Um, and I was, the epic cinematography there reminded me of Nicholas Gerhalter's Homo Sapiens, uh, the film about uh, ruins, human, human buildings decaying. Um, and I just wondered if that was an influence on your work. Oh, who did you say was uh, the... Nicholas Gerhalter, an Austrian Nicholas filmmaker. Nicholas Gerhalter. Gerhalter. I wanted to talk как бы видение эстетическое, чисто зрелищная картина, визуальная, которая предстает перед нами. С одной стороны, комфорт квартирный, квартир жилищ, а с другой стороны, этот разваленный дом. И мне интересно, мне заставило вспомнить фильмы Николаса Гельхалтера и его изображением руин, развалин. Я не знаю, это режиссер Андрей Александров уже знает, не знаю, как вы знаете. Так вот, вопрос в том, нет ли, не испытывали ли вы влияние его, и даже если нет, то как вы вообще прокомментируете вот это вот эстетическое сопоставление? Нет, я, к большому сожалению, не знаю этого автора, поэтому тут, конечно, трудно говорить о влиянии именно его. Скорее, очень многие находят влияние Тарковского и именно его фильма «Сталкер». Здесь больше этих параллелей находит аудитория, я опять же ссылаюсь на них. No, I do not know that the director that you mentioned, Nicholas Gelfalter, so of course we cannot talk about uh, his direct influence. Talking about the influences, um, uh, Andrei Tarkovsky is often mentioned again by, by the audience, by the viewers, and especially his film Stalker, uh, with uh, this kind of, the same aesthetic of the devastated, decayed, uh, dilapidated, что же касается непосредственно вот этих самых руин, каким образом они появились в фильме, здесь самое, что называется, естественным органическим образом, поскольку одна из практик вот, поисковых отрядов, это ребята, с которыми мы консультировались, они как раз говорят, что самые опасные места для поиска детей бегунков, это являются именно разрушенные здания. Разрушенные здания, брошенные строительства или пришедшие в негодность mm -hmm. руины, какие-то заброшенные строения. Вот. 
Там они обычно ютятся, любят находить для себя какие-то укромные уголки и так далее. И это самое опасное. Кроме леса, леса и водоемов, вот это, это вот одно из, один из тех пунктов, где, где, как рассказывают поисковики, это очень опасные места. And the reason for that ruin of a building, uh, for that structure, to appear in the film is quite simple. We were talking a lot with these volunteer organizations and they told us that uh, one of the most common and uh, the most, uh, probably the most dangerous place for the runaway kids to hide in are indeed these dilapidated, devastated uh, buildings, the ruins, apart, of course, with the, with the forest, with the woods. And, uh, and um, it is, there that uh, it is most difficult to find these kids and uh, the, where they hide and uh, therefore it's uh, it's part of reality so to say uh, not just an aesthetic invention если еще говорить об эстетическом mm -hmm. один журналист в россии сказал высказался так я запомнил это почти цитирую его слова он сказал не кажется ли вам что эпизод с поиском Значит, в заброшенном здании, мне лично, говорит, во мне лично рождает такой образ. На руинах Советской империи ангелы в оранжевом ищут потерянную душу. And uh, a critic, a Russian critic, in a review of the film, uh, used the image, he said that the search What, what we see in this scene, in this structure, in this final episodes of the film, is that um, um, the empire, the Soviet, the state, the Russian state, is uh, in ruins, and uh, these, the Soviet the state, the Soviet yeah. empire, Soviet's empire, the angels in orange, uh, the angels in orange, looking for a lost soul. I think we have time for one, a final question. Um, And up on, at the back there on the left. No? Okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Andre and Alexander, yeah. for joining us. Thank, um, thank you. And thank you all for coming. Okay.